Today is another superhuman episode of Girls on Wheels, where I have a heart-to-heart with a mate about being in the club no one wants to be part of. We laugh our way through big stuff and give insights into our worlds following cancer. Murray is an example of living life after the chaos and cracking on. We chat a bit about bikes and get Murray's perspective on girls in the sport. You'll be reaching for your bikes after this one and hopefully realising your health is your freedom. But just before we do that, don't forget to head on over to the Girls on Wheels website and subscribe to the newsletter, where you can keep in the loop about upcoming guests and episodes and be in with a chance to get involved. And please give the pod a follow on Instagram and Facebook at Girls on Wheels Podcast. And check out the pod's number one supporter, Shawnee at Shred Lucky Girl. Now, let's get into today's episode. Hello, welcome to another episode of Girls on Wheels. Today I'm joined by Murray, um, who is a friend of mine from the mountain bike world. And Murray, you are the first guy to come on the podcast, so welcome. Thank you. Um, prize a uh, female for an hour what prize female for an hour honorary prize oh oh that's not i couldn't think of the word how do you mean (laughs) (laughs) i don't even know what i meant (laughs) (laughs) i was like prize female yeah i I couldn't think of the word and i felt pressured (laughs) (laughs) pressure of the podcast (laughs) yeah Um, that's hilarious. Uh, like yeah. a little prized pig. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah. So, Mary, you're gonna, you're also gonna be the second person to feature in like the superhuman episodes that I wanted to do, where I chat with people that have got a bit of a mad story and are still cracking on with life and on their bike and having a good time. Um, so, yeah, we've got. Double, double from you. Um, God, I nearly said something really weird then. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> no, I'm not even going to say it. <laughs> uh, you, do you know what I was going to say? Uh, I've got uh, an array of things in my mind that I'm not going to re- say out loud. So, yeah. No, no. I was like, why did that even come into my head? Lol. Um, <laughs> we, me, we've had a nightmare, haven't we, mate? We've spent 45 minutes trying to figure this yeah. fucking software out because we were out of sync. You were on some dodgy laptop with a fan that sounded like a fighter jet. Yeah. Um, Talking about bands with yeah, pot noodle haircuts. Yeah. So I've had a mare, but hopefully this sounds good. Who's that? The N Ends- Sync? Is that what you're on about? Yeah. Justin Timberlake, wasn't it? Oh yeah, Remember? I love Justin. His hair. I saw, I saw him live. He's fucking amazing. I'm sure he is. Um, I like his album Future like... Sex Love Sound. Wicked album. Oh. Can't remember what that is. I just love walking on the beach, our toes in the sand. Obviously, I've got a better voice than him, but you know. Oh yeah, <laughs> must be calling that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, mate. So, do you want to start us off and um? Yeah, you were also in the cancer club, aren't you? Yes. The club that nobody wants to be a part of. No. Nope. Um, and what I think is really interesting, and this is why I wanted to capture people's stories, is that no one would ever know, would they? No. Quite frankly. Apart, and, apart from my thin hair at the front. Well, you know, guys, guys have that. <laughs> well, guys have that anyway, but it's... 
I just think it's really interesting that you can look at someone and you just have no fucking idea what's gone on for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and unless they tell you, you don't know what they're walking around with. So I appreciate you coming on here to share all this and be open about it because I know it's a big deal. Um, so, yeah, over to you, mate. Do you want to tell us when the shit hit the fan? Yeah. <laughs> so I was at the time I was living in a place near me called Hatton Regis. And um, I was due to move um, to a place called Caddington. Um, but I didn't really realize I'd be, cause I've up until that point, I was really against like taking any sort of painkillers like paracetamol, anything like that. And, um, it was only afterwards, like speaking to my parents and stuff. They were like, oh, you were taking a lot of paracetamol and stuff leading up to it. And, um, like I just reconnected with a load of friends from school and stuff and we like, went out on a night out. And I remember that like it was yesterday. Um, and then it was getting to the time where I was actually moving and I just ended up going to my parents' house and I remember just sitting in their front room. Um, all the lights were off. My mum came in and turned like a tiny little spotlight on and it was the pain. I can't even tell you. It was so intense. I was like, oh. I was begging her to turn it off. Um, so yeah, she took me into A&E the first day. Um, I can't remember if that was the day there's one of the days anyway where because you can't park like right next to A&E unless you get an ambulance. Um, but definitely one of the days there's like a road parallel to the hospital and then there's like access through an alleyway. And we were walking through there and the pain was so bad. I was like physically sick and we had to call an oh, ambulance God. from like for like 500 yards away from the hospital to go and take me there. Um, oh, so they took me in Um receptionist wasn't much use um but then they ended up they put me on a ward um they gave me morphine um then they let me go home that night they said he'll probably wake up and he'll be fine um so yeah woke up the next morning definitely wasn't fine had to go back in again um then my mum spoke to the receptionist i i don't remember anything from the first visit being in reception until like three days after my op um mate can i just stop you there like were you having so you were going to move house then you went out with your mates had you been having symptoms before this just just headaches was it just headaches just headaches just headaches um but yeah so then my mum took me that's all right so yeah my mum took me back in again and the receptionist doing what they do is like i'll just give them some paracetamol and go home my mum was having none of it, which is lucky. Um, so then they put me on a ward again. And apparently a guy came out. I don't remember any of this now. But a guy came out and he did a test where they basically lift my legs up. And apparently that's like a good indication of like how much it hurts. And then I'd said, so he said like, what's the pain level? And I said something like eight. And then mum was like, you know, he's pretty high. So it's probably a 10. So then they put me on a ward and then I had a seizure um and then they basically oh, yeah. blues and twos me to the Addenbrooke's in Cambridge which is about an hour away um and then I had an operation I think it was that that night or the next day something like that um and it was touch and go um but yeah then I was on the ward and uh it's quite funny because um 
I I don't remember like the first few days. Um, but they gave me a mirror and uh, I looked at myself and I was like, what the fuck happened to me? <laughs> but yeah, so because my head was like, because I had to take um, steroids because um, my head was so swollen and um, so and to do with steroids as well, um, it just makes you really hungry. Um, so oh, I, yeah. Yeah, I put on two, uh, was it two stone in 10 days? It was horrendous. In 10 days? In 10 days. I was just, I would just get up in the middle of the night. I'd be starving. And I was in like great shape. And I was not used to that. (laughs) Hang on, rewind. I feel like you've, you've, you're flying ahead here. So you were having headaches and then you've gone into your parents and a tiny bit of light was excruciating. So your mum's took you to hospital. Yeah. They've... What were they suspecting at that point? I've no idea. No idea. Did you suspect that it was, because we haven't said this, but you had a, is it a brain tumour? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So they got, they sent you home and then the next day you woke up still feeling like death and then you've gone Mm, back in. Yeah. And then you had a seizure and then they've rushed you to another hospital and you had surgery. Yes. So what, did you have to have loads of scans? Like how did it? Yeah, like how was how did they diagnose that so quickly if you were there? Well, I imagine there was like MRIs and stuff involved, but I don't remember what? any of that process no. whatsoever. I mean, I woke up in the hospital Jeez. and I was like, "Are oh, my aunt and uncle going to come and see me?" And uh, they were like, "They've already been." I was like, "Okay." Wow. So obviously, your brain your brain's a clever thing; it doesn't remember trauma so no. a lot of the time. So. You've had you've gone to Cambridge and you've had this operation. What was that operation? To remove the tumour. To remove the tumor. Mm. So they'd obviously done some scans and found... Yeah, it's like a golf ball size and apparently I had it since birth. Really? Yeah. What, and it had just laid gro- yeah. dormant? Yeah, maybe grown or whatever. Fucking hell. Because that would have been the pressure like in my head, making it so painful. Wow, and how long were you having the headaches before? I don't know, because, I mean, maybe a few days before it was, like, real bad. But I always used to just be like, ah, it's just a bit of a headache or whatever, it'll be fine. Mm. So I hadn't really put much thought to it. I was just like, no, just a headache. Got a bit of a headache. <laughs> yeah, and then it obviously got excruciating uh, yeah. so fucking hell so god I can't even imagine that like what a whirlwind within the space of a couple of days it's then like you've had brain surgery mm-hmm. to remove a cancerous tumour yeah and apparently I signed for it as well <laughs> what when you're out of it yeah, I was chatting to my brother about it, and he was like, oh, you signed it? I was like, well, I don't remember that, so I could have signed for anything. But like, can we harvest your organs? Yep, fine. <laughs> and uh, apparently I was smiling, waving to everyone. That would not have been me if I was with it, I tell you. No way. Oh, my God. So how old were you when all this went on? So it's 20, 
13, so 28, I think. So, yeah. So, like, 10 years ago, it's coming up. Yeah. 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 What? So, when you came round from the operation, <coughs> mm-hmm. did you have, like, what? We sit, obviously, you're in hospital, like, and you couldn't remember anything. Who told you what had happened? My parents. And how how was that? What a fucking I don't... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I just think I just think I was so out of it. Um like morphine and stuff. Morphine's really good, by the way. <laughs> Very yeah, good pain. <laughs> <laughs> I've had it a few times. Um But yeah, they they just like explain it to me and stuff and uh I'm sure it was the surgeon was I think he's Mr. Chowdhury. Because I don't know if you know like the doctor thing works, but it's like when you become like higher than a doctor, apparently you go back to like Mr. or Mrs. Oh no, I didn't know that. So yeah. Um and yeah, so he's the one that did my art and saved me. He came round, I saw him briefly. Like my parents were like, Oh, thanks so much. He was like, this is why I do it, so for the you know, the reward of seeing families that are being saved by it, I guess. Jesus, so if you hadn't have gone to hospital when you did, mm. we wouldn't be no. getting, chatting now. Nope. Fucking hell. How would, like, what does that make you feel like? Um, I try not to think about it because I'm like very much try and think of it is what it is, you know. So, and everyone's always like, oh, do you appreciate things more? And I don't think I do because I always appreciated everything. Like, it sounds like super hippie, yeah. but I'd see blades of grass and be like, that's proper cool. Before my ops, so I'm like, hasn't really changed me in that sense. Yeah, I I can relate to that. I think <clears throat> people think that you're going to get this newfound perspective on life. and mm. But I was like, well, I lived my life to the full before I was diagnosed. Yeah. I'd, took a career break on traveling seen some amazing places was always like life's too short yeah and I guess it just gave reinforced that feeling when I went through all my shit yeah yeah you know everything I've been saying is true yeah exactly yeah so it's like I was right (laughs) screw you (laughs) but I I always think where did that come from in me and my um dad died when I was 14 years old Mm. so that was like the first massive shock that life was not this 2.4 children where everyone skips around and yeah, no, you, know, remain, you remain in a family unit, you know, that, that stuff that in the 80s and 90s, it was like, it, it wasn't like it was today. God, I sound old. Because <laughs> we are, mate. <laughs> you know, no, I know, 40 this year. Uh, but you, you know what I mean, like, there's this expectation that there's the perfect family and everyone goes through life without any trauma. Whereas I was 14 and suddenly I was like, shit, life is precious. And Mm. then I always wonder (coughs) if that's what then spurred me to be like, right. Okay. Life is fragile. My dad was really young when he died. He was 37 or 38. Um, so I'm now older than him. Uh, but I remember when I got diagnosed, I fucking shit myself. So when I was younger and it had happened, I um, remember for a few years being really, really anxious about my family dying. Mm. 
Um, so I would have this fear that everyone was just going to die. And I never really said it out loud. And I don't know if my mum will listen to this or my sister and go, oh my God, I didn't know that that's what you felt. But I would have this like fear that that something was going to go bad yeah. um, because of what happened to my dad because he just died in his sleep okay. like, of, a, of a heart, um, what's it called? Aneurysm? Sudden cardiac arrest. Okay. So nothing, you know, nothing he could have done. It just happened. Mm. And I, I was like, what? What? Someone could just die like that. So I remember being so paranoid and thinking that everyone was going to get taken away from me, yeah. which is really sad actually. And saying that out loud, people are like, probably like, fucking hell, this podcast has gone heavy. Um, <laughs> I think that I, I was paranoid for a bit, but then that went off and then it just gave me this appreciation for life and that I was like, I've been, you know, tainted with this that's happened to me. Yeah. I can't take anything for granted. Yeah. Um, but I always used to say, Marie, that um, I used to be paranoid that I was going to die young. I swear to God, I'm so superstitious. And I'm really conscious of that because I used to think when I was younger, oh, fuck, I'm going to die young like my dad. Mm. That was like something in the back of my head that never really came to the front bit was there. And then when I got diagnosed, I was like, oh, it's going to happen. Ah, <laughs> shit. It's fuck, I'm bloody myself. Um, oh, fucking hell. So it was paranoid. But did anything like that happen to you in your younger days that made you really appreciate your life? I, w- I, I had OCD before it was cool. It was fucking bad like i would think my heart had stopped um then in the same sort of stuff like if i touched something and i had the wrong thought in my head like say if i just like used a light switch or something and then i'd had a thought in my head like oh my mum's gonna die my dad's gonna die i used to have to keep switching it until i had the right thought in my head oh jesus it was horrible for years i just remember, i remember vividly sitting in the back of my dad's car we we're on the way to my nan's house my brother was in the passenger seat i was in the back seat and i just started crying because i thought my heart stopped it was horrible oh my god yeah so, so was it like a health anxiety and like you're losing your family fear? Mm, yeah it must have been yeah must have been and how fucking hell like that reminds me of final destination did you ever have the misfortune of watching the program, <laughs> that film yeah honestly i used to have mad fear on on flights and i'd be like oh my god i've gone into the wrong toilet cubicle in the airport the plane's gonna crash i was so fucking paranoid. i'm just not good at flying these days to be honest i'm like get a bit of turbulence and you're like okay i'll just look at the air steward stewardesses yeah. and stuff and i'm like if they start worrying, then I'll be worried. <laughs> Do you know, talking of that to digress massively, I was mm. on a plane. Yeah. Going back from Australia like 18 years ago. Yeah. And so fucking hell, I picked up some random weirdo in the airport. I was so friendly. Like it was my first bit of like proper travel. I was like <laughs> yeah. 20, 19 yeah. or 20. And gone to Australia, had the most amazing six weeks. And then I was like, oh, my God, everyone's lovely. I want to be everyone's friend. And I was in the airport and there was this bloke with like a cork hat on, like a typical Aussie person. And I was just like chatting to him like, hi, yeah, la, la, la. And anyway, he got the wrong fucking impression, didn't he? So he must have thought, oh, she fancies me. But I didn't. I was just being friendly. We got on the plane. I started to get a few like weird vibes from him thinking, 
all right, mate, I wasn't, you know, I was just being friendly. Yeah. Next thing I know, he's next to the bloke that's next to me saying, hey, can we swap seats? And I was like, oh, fuck, please say no, please say no. <laughs> but this bloke was like, yeah, sure. Um, fuck. So anyway, he ended up sitting next to me on this flight. And I was like, oh, Danielle, you're so naive. Like, you idiot. And I, so I was, I was chatting to him a bit, but I was like, fucking hell, mate. Is just one of those people oh, you anyway. try and end the conversation? They're like, da, 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 and you're like, oh my god! I I had my headphones on watching a film, like any shit film, <laughs> just to avoid him. He was just like talking at me, and I was like, oh. That's anyway, the worst. mate. The, the point of this conversation was, oh my god, the worst turbulence started happening, and oh, uh, it was we were going through a thunderstorm. I was like, I was anxious flyer anyway, and I'd never been on a flight that long. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then the worst thing happened. The fucking lights went off in the plane and we dropped. Oh my God. And Marie, I did that thing where you look at the air stewardesses and think, if they're calm, I'm calm. They were not calm. (laughs) Oh my God. Running about trying to get to their seats. They were panicking and the plane was going like up and down, up and down. And I was like, I'm going to fucking die. And this bloke in like another one of the drops grabbed my hand. Um, and I, in that moment, I didn't let go straight away because I was like, uh, but then he just held my hand and I thought, oh, well, at least I'm going to die. I'm like holding someone's hand. But I prayed. I was like, I'm going to, fu- I'm going to die. I'm going to die. It was absolutely terrifying. And then it sort of like calmed down or whatever. And then I had to like let go of this weird bloke's hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh my like, God. Right, I let you hold my hand for 10 minutes because I thought I was going to die, and but it you. doesn't mean anything. <laughs> he's, and then, you right, turn around, he's on one knee. Sing- <laughs> fucking hell, honestly. I pick up what's the right weirdos. Um, we, we stopped off in Singapore or Dubai or wherever and, he was following me around that airport. Jesus. I was like, oh, my God. Shit, what have I done? And he was, like, trying to find out where I lived. He was like, oh, I haven't got a plan. I think he was trying to, like, ask to um, come to my house. I was oh like, my I God. Anyway, I completely <laughs> digress, but, yeah. Like, God loves a trier. Yeah. But I was like, ah, right, I've never been friendly to anyone. Anyone there. again? Like. <laughs> 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 yeah but yeah um that must have been really tough to deal with that sort of ocd um did it go away then like did you have to have i know i had or... yeah i remember fortunate really because i had like a big fear of like needles and blood and all that sort of stuff and i do remember going to therapy with my parents um which i i guess i like over time sort of got rid of it um but i remember i've always found it like really difficult to explain like the ocd and there was an episode of dirty sanchez did you ever used to watch that the welsh guys like jackass oh is that where they tip someone up in a portaloo that sort it's like it's like a welsh version of yeah like right jackass yeah and um there's a guy on it and he had ocd i can't remember his name but he was the one that was a carpenter and he was explaining it. And I remember it that like it was yesterday. He was just like under a stairway. And he explained it. And I was like, fuck, that's how you explain it. And I've, I've tried to find a clip of it ever since, but I can't. 
but yeah he explained yeah. it really well he was just like saying about you have to touch certain things and you've got to have the right thing in your mind until you can stop touching it and when you touch it the last time with that good like positive thought in your mind then you can just crack on with what you're just doing you move on yeah yeah God, that's really debilitating that is isn't it mm. um what was the aftermath of that operation then like what did you have to deal with um so so i go through like the the, the like the post surgery um like treatment and stuff um so straight away I, I wasn't allowed to drive um so being an electrician as well fucked um yeah so then it was i think i had to wait six weeks and keep taking those steroids for the swelling on my head to go down um then it was every weekday i'm sure it was for i think it was for six weeks so every weekday i had to get someone to drive me to adam brooks and have radiotherapy um so obviously it was like my my, well, my mum wouldn't drive that far full stop um, she's not a confident driver so it'd be like my dad my brother or my aunt pretty much exclusively um so whilst that was all going on like it didn't really none of it really sunk in because you're just mm. so, so busy the whole time um yeah and then I think that was whilst having chemo and I think it was it's grainy. I try not to really remember all this stuff because I'm like, what's the point? But um, I think it was... set of chemo? As well, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's like the tablet form, which I didn't right. realise was a thing, but it is. Um, and I think I took... I had to take them for like a week and then it wiped me out for like that week and then a further two weeks and then I felt like, okay, it's like well enough to walk around the block for the last week or whatever and then you're back in it <laughs> yeah basically um mm. and then yeah so after all that I, I can't remember if the chemo was with that or not i'm sure it was but anyway then there was like an optional extra six months of taking the chemo and that was like a stronger dose of the tablet again um and then i'd have i'd have like bloods i think it was each month i used to go have my bloods they like assess whether I could have the same level of chemo tablet then I take them that was for a week then it was the two weeks then it was the week that I could like feel remotely normal and that was when I was like because up until this point I was still in bands as a drummer um and we'd like um we'd like had booked time in a studio to record and obviously that all had to be pushed back so I was sort of like getting back to being normal after this certain amount of time um, just by tapping on my practice kit. And then I had to like basically learn this single one song. And they were like, oh, are you ready to come and like play this song? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I think I'm ready. Fucking hell, mate. I was not ready. I just remember like sitting in the studio and like no one could see me. I just had my head on the snare drum and I was like, this is fucking so shit. I can't do it. What was it? Was it your brain couldn't do it or physically you couldn't do it? Both, I think. Both. Both. I was just fucked. Real yeah, bad. Uh, uh. I just like, I couldn't take it. I couldn't play the parts that I've written. 
it was just all of it was just horrendous and then um mm. then because it was it was a three-piece band at the time and I drove and the other guy drove but he only had a two-seater van and the other guy didn't drive and he was oh you can just sit in the back like take turns sitting in the back with all the gear if you want and I was <laughs> like fuck no and I was like nah it's not worth it and I just like no not when you've just like exactly yeah exactly like Like in my younger days maybe but But, yeah yeah. your precious cargo now yeah i know (laughs) (laughs) not you think it with a mountain biking but you know yeah imagine surviving what you survived and then die because a drum kit falls on you and you yeah belts it around the corner yeah exactly or like one of the guitar cabs or something like ah crushed to death by a cab in the back of a van sensible yeah <laughs> so i just yeah, yeah. just sacked it, it off so yeah and then um i can't remember how long it was till i was like properly riding again but it was like obviously gradual because it's like physically i wasn't there um but yeah sort of that sort of got me to a stage where i pretty much ride anything there was like a guy that used to ride with us Ivan and um not the terrible before you say it I thought it was Ivy the terrible no Ivan Ivan the terrible oh I did not every day that. is a school day there you go yeah. <laughs> I always thought it was Ivy the terrible I've called like my cousins kids like oh you look like Ivy the terrible oh wow uh, they're, they're probably just like ah it's a quirky twist on it isn't it <laughs> no Ivan Ivan, Ivan Thatcher, and um, he'd just do, like, because he was a bit better than me, so he'd, like, do, like, a feature or whatever, and I was like, okay, I'll do a feature, or, like, there's another lad, Henry Bucknell, and he'd, like, do, like, a big drop or something, and I'm like, okay, I'm, like, sort of similar level to him, so I'll do it, and then there's a young lad, he's really good downhill racer, and his dad was, it was like, oh, yeah, you're not scared of anything, are you? I'll tell you, I'm scared of everything these days because <laughs> I had a massive crash. I had a ma- this is the second um, instance of having morphine. And this deck guy, whose dad said about you've got no fear, he's kept pestering me and pestering me. We're at Woven Bike Park. And he's like, come on, just do moto. It's easy. You'll be fine. He just pestered me, pestered me. And I was like, all right, fucking hell, I'll do it. And he towed us in, but he didn't tell us that you can't bail on the line. And I can't remember the first or the second jump, we landed too deep. And I was like, fuck, I'm not going to have the speed to make the next one. So I tried to bail. And it went about as physically badly as it possibly could have. Um, and there was a guy behind us, Steve Travers. He he bailed as well, but he didn't, like, die. Um, so I just basically, like, piled drive my head into the gap between the two jumps and slapped my back oh. on, like, the upslope. And, uh, yeah, I I thought I'd broken my back, to be honest. I was I was so winded I couldn't talk for an hour. Oh um, my god. Yeah. And but I had like these five tens on that used to make my feet numb. It's like these paramedics turn up and they're like, Are your feet numb? And I was like Well, I don't know <laughs> because I, I I get pins and needles in my feet I've got, anyway. I've got shoes that are too small for me. Yeah, yeah. Um so then they ended up wheeling they gave me morphine again which is absolutely insanely good. Um, not that I'm promoting that you hurt yourself, so you have to take more of it, you know, but, um, <laughs> but I just remember being in the, in that, that ditch 
and I knew I wouldn't be able to like work for X amount of time. And um, <clears throat> I was self-employed at the time, so I was like, "Well, this is going to be shit, isn't it?" And uh, there was uh, there was another lad there, and he was taking the piss out of me. And I thought, "There's a time and a place." And it, I <laughs> I couldn't speak for an hour. And the first thing I said to him was like, "Fuck you, Johnson." I've never wanted to batter someone so much in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just so happened my brother was riding across. He was doing like a like one of the loops, and um. He came down because he's like works in the medical scene, and um, he came down and he seemed pretty confident that I was all right, so that was reassuring. But then my partner oh at the time turned up, and I was like, oh, "I'm not going to be able to pay the bills." And she was like, "Oh, that's all right." And we got home. I'll tell you one thing: it was not all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she battered me for it. <laughs> <laughs> Putting on a show in front of everyone and then yeah. you get home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they, oh, they, they took me to um, the hospital, like, checked my back and stuff. And they're like, oh, no, we don't think you need an x-ray or anything. Off you go. My God, I could barely walk. It was horrible. Yeah. How right. many years ago was, how many years after your operation was that? <sighs> Maybe... Four. Four. But I checked, like, because I've got a consultant, um, and I was like, so I do like mountain biking. She's like, she's a a mountain biker, but more like cross country. And um, I said, like, yeah. what's the situation with you know my skull? Because I obviously cut it open. She's like, oh, you just be the same as everybody else. So I was like, happy days. Obviously, I'm not yeah. planning on it happening, but. If it does, like it has, <laughs> I know I'm right. But yeah, and then like obviously going back to the driving thing as well. <clears throat> I suppose going back further than that, like the whole like when I had to be taken to like um, Addenbrooke's so to often, radio, mm, I just felt like a burden, like massively. I was like, I'm just, mm. everyone's putting themselves out so much to do this for me. And um, like even like going back and riding and stuff like that, you know, I'd have to like get lifts off of people. Um, like I remember one time I forgot my helmet, and like my girlfriend at the time came and brought it to me. Obviously, she wasn't too pleased about it. But <laughs> I was just like, "Fuck!" Like if it was if I could drive, then it'd be fine. Yeah. And it's st- still ongoing. Like every few years, I have to go through the DVLA. And I've got to renew my license, and they're like, "Oh no, you need a checkup." I think, "Are you kidding me?" Like, like I was at work the other day, and I reversed my van in, like it's nothing, just because I drive all the time. And there are a couple of people standing there, like, "Oh, I wish I could like reverse in like that." And I was like, "Yeah," and I get the fucking DVLA. Like, "Oh no, yeah. are you sure you're all right to drive?" Like, yeah, like it, and it's a reminder. Yes, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, how long couldn't you drive for? So it was initially. I think it was something like two years after the end of my treatment. Treatment, but bec- yeah. But nobody told me. So because I took that extra six months of um, chemo, which was optional, I was there. I was like, right, I'm going to drive now. And obviously it's a massive thing because like, I couldn't drive for work. So I'd had to, I had to get lifts into work through. Luckily, it was my one of my brother's old school friends. Um, he needed someone that knew something about electrics 
So he'd taken me on and he only lives in that village Caddington, which is like so close to where I live. And um, so he just ended up picking me up and taking me into work for that period of time. Um, But yeah, because of that extra six months and it was like, this was the date that I was like going to be driving again. But nobody told me that it was the extra six months on top of that again. So this, these whole two years, I was like, no, I'm going to drive anyway. Sodom. <laughs> and I didn't. Yeah. But I was like, I was beyond fuming about that. It's well, I guess it's... <clears throat> Did you feel like your independence had been taken away yeah. from you? Yeah, of course. It's like, yeah. it's like, you know, if you, I don't know, if you've moved out of your parents and then you've got to move back in with them, it's sort of like that same situation you know then your mum's yeah. like oh what time do you want your tea and all this sort of stuff and you're like yeah have you got any dirty washing yeah yeah it's like I'm in my face <laughs> and yeah. uh yeah it's the same with driving like once you've driven and then you can't again you're like oh, what what can I do you know Hey, it's me. Just a cheeky little interruption here to remind you to go over to the website and sign up to the newsletter. Give me a follow on socials at Girls on Wheels podcast. And if you're enjoying this, head over to podchaser.com and leave me a raving review as it helps me so much. And I really appreciate it. Now, back to the episode. Yeah, Horrendous. I imagine as well that, you know, you never asked to have cancer no like, exactly yeah you led a healthy life yeah um you didn't do anything I don't think anyone I mean there are, there are things you do in your life that can increase the risk of certain cancers like smoking and whatever but you know you didn't ask for it you don't feel that you've done anything to warrant it mm. and then it's happened and then the effects and the aftermath of it is what I think that people don't understand oh yeah you go through that initial period of treatment and like your surgeries and chemo and whatnot. But that's just the start of it. It's <laughs> yeah, then what you've got to live after. But it's oh, a yeah. fucker because yeah. you're like, okay, the implications of all of this are a different life. Mm. <clears throat> and something so big, like suddenly you can't drive, that that's a reminder every single day or every single time you want to do something that you can't because of this disease yeah yeah it's how did you get through that i mean bikes play a part yeah for sure i mean like what one thing i will say after after my op i had like a numbness in the corner of my mouth here and those two fingers my thumb and my pointy finger on the right finger isn't that yeah i don't know my brother will shoot me for not knowing that but yeah (laughs) um (laughs) Yeah, but like a, a numbness, and I've still got a tiny bit right in the corner and the very tips. Um, but yeah, I'll, I don't really, never really notice it until you said about all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, there was something else I was going to say, and I can't remember now. But anyway, what what were you what were you saying? What was the question about riding? Um... Oh God! Now you're testing my memory. Oh, did riding help you? Like, how did you get through that two and a half years of not only coming to terms with the fact that that had happened to you, mm. that you were then living with the aftermaths of your treatment, and also you couldn't drive? Like, did bikes play a part in you getting through that? That was the question. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, 
Uh, massively, for sure. Um, but then it's like uh, the majority of the time, really, I could only like ride locally, or it was like Chicksands, which is like half an hour away. So I'd have to like rely. I mean, my girlfriend at the time would like take me up there every now and then. Or I had a friend that rode, he lived in Dunstable. Um, like my best friend lives in Dunstable as well. And my brother lives in Dunstable. So then uh, there were some options there. Um, but it, w- it was generally just like going to Woven and doing the loop round there or Chicksands. Um, I can't remember if I did yeah. any races at that stage. I know I did like Aston Hill. Um, which again is like half an hour away from here. And I think my dad took me to that um, and maybe some Forest of Dean races. But um, yeah, so I guess, yeah, it did. Yeah. I bet you felt like a, a child again. Like you were saying, yeah. it's like moving back into your parents. Like yeah. Suddenly like, can I have a lift? Yeah. And you don't feel like an adult. And then it makes you feel like, ha- like I don't want to say useless, but. That's how I felt, though. I did feel useless, though. I really did. Yeah, when you can't do the things that you were used to doing, suddenly you needed help for it. You're like, what? Yeah. Um, I mean, I could still drive, not when I was under the influence of chemo, because... I thought you were going to say drugs, then. (laughs) Well, Or alcohol. (laughs) Poisonous drugs. um, Because I was, yeah in those first few days of it was in la la land but yeah, yeah i remember i couldn't do my shoelaces up at some point oh I yeah i had no dexterity in my fingers so i couldn't do buttons up i couldn't do shoelaces up wow i couldn't open a jar i i dropped so many glasses and cut them and like crockery oh my god i was constantly like cleaning up broken of water that I'd smashed and like, my sister was ones. living with me I know my sister was living with me um bless her she turned into a carer she genuinely turned into a carer yeah. I mean I could wash and dress and all that and feed myself because fucking hell was I hungry like, <laughs> oh, yeah I know yeah it's mental isn't it pig um, <laughs> I want to I want to talk about that like two stone in eight weeks yeah. eight weeks is it no. Fucking hell, no, 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 no. Less two, two weeks. weeks. <laughs> I mean, I look at photos of me on my last few chemo's when I was on the steroids too, and I definitely turned into a moon. But mm. I didn't put on two stone in two weeks. That's it. That's phenomenal. But the thing was, That's like phenomenal. before it, because because like my mum's known people that have had like cancers and stuff. She was like, oh, they get really skinny. So she was giving me like full fat milk. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Ridiculous. Morrison. Yeah. Sure. Oh. Yeah. Well, do you know, I mean, this sounds terrible. I don't even know if I should say it out loud to the universe, but <laughs> I was like, oh, I might lose a bit of. I didn't. Obviously, I am only joking, but I thought, oh, at least I'll lose some weight. Yeah. But no. to be fair, when I got diagnosed, I was the fittest I'd ever been and was really trim. Yeah. Thanks so. to mountain biking. But. I thought to myself, oh, well, at least I won't put, I won't, at least I won't become a moon and like a big pig. I'll, I'll lose weight. Yeah. Fucking hell. I went the, I went the reverse. I was starving. Really? Oh, con- wow. Constantly eating. And like when you said on steroids, oh, Jesus, that ravenous feeling that you get, like 
instantly. Yeah, like, yeah. I need to eat now, or I'm going to kill someone. Yeah, um, it's crazy. But, yeah, and I was like, before my art, yeah. I was like really toned, and yeah, t- two weeks after my op, I you yeah, you I was class. I'd be classed as a obese, one hundred percent, probably morbidly obese. It's horrible. Oh, no, it's mad. That's, that's yeah. mad. Have you have you got any photos of your moon face? Oh uh, yeah, no doubt. I'll show you <laughs> another time. Okay. I haven't got any to hand. I haven't got any to hand. But you I haven't got... got a cancer album. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nah, nah. I thought I'd skip that one. <laughs> hi, hi everyone. Welcome to my home. Let me just yeah, this share is the, with you. This is the year I had cancer. I, I've got a book dedicated to it. I do have yearbooks, but not dedicated to cancer. <laughs> yeah. Just to lighten the mood. It's quite <clears> funny <throat> when it gets brought up or whatever. And then most people, yeah, most people don't know how to handle it. And they're like, oh, I feel like I should acknowledge it. But yeah, it's when you find those people that do know how to navigate it and they don't make it a big deal. Like yeah. my friends on my <clears throat> anniversary the other day, mm. we were chatting and she was like, I'm glad you're not dead. <laughs> I love you for saying that. Yeah. Like, you are my friend for yeah, saying that. Exactly. Like, and I was like, I'm glad I'm not dead too. And then we were just laughing. <laughs> You've but got to address it with a bit of humour. Got... Exactly. Oh, it's yeah, because like... it's, too, it's too much. Yeah. Like if, I, like, if I go out on a date with someone, you're like, so how am I going to let them know that I've had cancer? I'm just like, <laughs> you've got to wait a little while. Cause you're like, it's not like who yeah. I am. I'm not like, I'm not a cancer survivor. My name's Murray. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I've had cancer and I've survived it. But you know, it's just a thing. But yeah, this is it. This is a mad topic about meeting new people and when you bring it up. Yeah, and they're like, really? You know, like, yeah. I mean, what do you think? I'm just going to look like I've been on treatment for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. I think as well. I I certainly. It, it's a big. What's the word? I definitely pay attention to how they react and what they say about it. And mm. it then makes me make a decision about whether or not anything will go forward. And yeah, it, it sounds, it's, I just think it's so crucial how someone is with that. Of course. Yeah. It is. It's a big thing, but yeah. And, you don't and it could it happen to, to them one day out mm. of nowhere. So you're like, if they're judgmental about it, you're like, I didn't ask for it, did I? So, you know. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's a really interesting one to navigate, like when you're in your, you know, 30s mm. and you're dating and stuff because you can't get away with not saying it. I mean, yeah. I know I can't because of of surgeries. Like, yeah. Well, I've got a big scar on my head, so. <laughs> yeah, so it's like a physical thing yeah. that you can't yeah. hide from. Yeah. So you've got to bring it up at some point. Yeah. But then it's like, well, when do you bring it up? And because it's, I mean, mine wasn't 10 years ago. It was, well, coming up, it'll be three and a half years ago. But <clears throat> yeah, it's a big point, point, and it, it's a chunk of my life, which explains certain things yeah. that have happened. So yeah. it's like, but you don't want it to go all heavy because you don't know how they're going to handle it. Yeah, I don't want it to um, be all heavy because I don't think of it as a heavy thing anyway. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, it see- happened. It's mm. in the past, you know? Do you know, though, I remember telling some lad and for whatever reason, I felt like I could say it straight away. Yeah. 
And then he made it all about him. He was telling me that it was his idea of hell. It was his worst nightmare. And he proceeded to chat for half an hour about how it was a horrific idea to him. And I was sat there thinking, <laughs> it's not about you. Yeah, this is actually dickhead. what happened to me. Like, That's my worst nightmare. La, la, la. And I was like, yeah, tell me about it. But <laughs> yeah. Anyway. And this date's my worst nightmare. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Fuck off, you knobhead. Um, <laughs> hilarious. So... Like now, 10 years on, do you, is there still any side effects or like things that you notice where you're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's the old brain? Uh, not that I'm particularly aware of. Like, yeah, I suppose I might be a little bit thicker because I have part of my brain taken out and I do have to have like take um, like anticonvulsants. Um, I just take one of those tablets a day now just to keep my consultant sweet. Um, but that's it. Cause I only had one seizure and that was before they took the tumor out. So, you know, I'm like, do I need yeah. to take them? But I will just cause it's take for the sake of taking one tablet a day. Yeah. As opposed to losing my license. Those... Yeah. The threat of that. Mm. Um, is it one of them where, because you don't want to pay loads of attention to what your body's doing, you sort of adapted and this is your new normal, if you like, and you just get on with it and you don't sit and think about all the things that are potentially different. Cause I can certainly relate to that. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah. I'm sure if I like, I suppose certain aspects of it, <clears throat> obviously my body's older now than it was like 10 years ago. Um, so I don't know what, I can relate to that and what I can relate to having cancer and stuff, but yeah. Yeah. You don't want it. Yeah. It's it. almost like if you shine a light on it, it then becomes a thing. Whereas if yeah. you just get on with it, yeah, you, that's just, yeah. Pretty You'll much. never know though, will you? Because no, no, exactly. you know, it was as soon as I was diagnosed almost immediately, I was getting prodded and poked and yeah, all sorts of surgeries and then within five weeks I was on chemo so I cannot remember what I felt like before I had any treatment now because it's like three and a half years ago and I'll never ever know what my normal is because also I've been battered by treatment and I am three and a half years older so yeah. like it. it's so hard to to know isn't it but mm, yeah yeah what is it um so Obviously, you were saying that because of your driving, you couldn't ride bikes like you would have if you were, you know, ha hadn't had half, like not half your brain, but, you know. Golf ball size. <laughs> Golf ball chunk of your brain out. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Did, do you feel like but if bikes weren't there, that your sort of recovery and your integration back into your life would have been different? I think... I've always been, I've never really been into watching sports and stuff, but I've always been into doing. So I think if it wasn't bikes, it would have been something else for sure. Um, yeah. But I'm not sure what. Um, but I'll tell you, recently my aunt sent me a picture. It was from when I was um, drumming. And there's a photo of me playing a gig. And it made me sad because I looked at my hair and it was so thick. 
And I thought, because my, my, my Welsh granddad, Grantia, Welsh. Is she 25% Welsh? <laughs> yeah, it's because it's off your grandparents, isn't it? So like, because okay. both two of my grandparents were English. One grandparent was Irish and one was Welsh. Um, and apparently it's your maternal side's dad. So that's my grandchild. Um, and he had a thicker head, 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 la, 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 head of hair until the day he died. My brother's still got a thick head of hair. And obviously through the radiotherapy, they didn't. They said that you would lose your hair, but they didn't tell me it might not grow back. Um, and then, yeah, Aww. she sent me this picture and it was like a really good one of my hair. <laughs> Sounds vain. But yeah. Um, <laughs> no, and it just, made, it just made me sad. And like, I'd see like photos that people had taken. Like if I, like if I was riding, for example, and because it was like the court front quarter where it just didn't grow back. Um, and I looked like I just escaped from the loony bin because it was all shade short. But then it's like that quarter there, the, the front left quarter, there was nothing. So it just looked yeah. really weird. And um, But luckily my parents paid for me to have, because it's not on the NHS anymore, um, hair transplants. Um, so they paid £6,000 for me to get a hair transplant um, at Harley Street. And that was, God. when they numbed it, that was fucking painful. <laughs> was it yeah and then it's like a 12 hours for the first day and then the second day was i think about five hours and you just sat there in a chair watching films for hours and hours nuts jesus yeah yeah i guess another part where you're like you don't think about the implications like you know from the outside you wouldn't think about the effect that that would have on you as like a young guy yeah. that suddenly you've lost your hair and it's not grown back and you become self-conscious and a bit paranoid. And mm. again, you're like, I haven't fucking asked for this. Like, yeah. What the, what the fuck? And then, yeah, it's, it's a mad expense as well, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and I know, I don't know, maybe the odd person might think, oh, well, you know, you're lucky you're all right, but yeah, you are lucky. You know, you're not lucky, but yes, you're all right. But then you've still got to live as a normal person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Something so visible like your hair mm. is a massive thing. It's not vain, <coughs> it's giant, it's massive. Because I had quite a few people say to me, oh, it's only hair, it'll grow back. And I'm like, shave your head off then. Yeah. Shave your hair off. Yeah. And watch it grow back. As a as a woman with long hair. Yeah, um, absolutely take your all your hair off and watch it grow back now i know yeah. some people rock buzz cuts and short styles and i didn't mind my pixie style mm. when i got it done just before it fell out but yeah i didn't want fucking a kiwi head no like i <laughs> yes i was alive but i also wanted my fucking hair yeah like, exactly uh, i think it's a really big thing and obviously you're grateful that yeah you're alive but yeah, of course. You're but I always was it. anyway. I always yeah. was anyway. So that's like you don't want to have to deal with that shit. Um, nope. Oh, mate. Yeah, it's making me makes you think, doesn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Think back on stuff, and do you ever do you ever think has that actually really happened? 
Whereas 10 it's, years it's on, weird. you're sort of like in a different place. It feels like it was a lifetime ago. If yeah. you can relate to that. Well, because it's like three and a half years for me. So mm. it's still early days, really. Because, yeah. you know, I was still on treatment until a year ago. Still take, I'm still taking things now, but mm. still in it, I felt like I was still in and out that chemo suite um, last year. So I feel like there's, there's a lot of space from it, but there's, it's not like eight years. I think maybe when yeah. I get to 10 years, um, touch wood, touch yeah. wood, <laughs> that I can, I'll understand that, but it still feels a bit like, oh yeah, this, this time three years ago, I was recovering from my surgery. Yeah. It just feel like a while, but. I still had like a full year of trying to get over all that shit. Yeah, like exactly. Pop back to normal in my hair. Yeah. Start growing back and that bit. Yeah. I do think, did that actually happen? Mm. It's surreal, isn't it? from it, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I promise you, though, it will. You'll get down the line. You'll be like, oh, that was a lifetime ago, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think about it. It's, it's a weird one. You'll get this. Like, It's obviously there and I know it's happened and, you know, physically, I, that I'll get little flashbacks, like something, something will happen. And I'll go, oh God, I remember when I did, like I was in Lidl the other day. Yeah. Um, and then I was sat in the car eating a bag of crisps <laughs> because I can't go in there without buying the root vegetable crisps and eating them <laughs> all in the car. Um, <laughs> Honestly, mate, I've got a problem. Oh, Why God. am I doing this? <laughs> there I was, eating the greasy crisps that tasted amazing. And then I suddenly just thought, for no reason, oh, my God, I remember when I went in there with no hair, like I was full. Okay, yeah. Like, I'd sh- I was bicking my head. But I think if I hadn't have bicked it, there would have been bits of hair here and there. What, you just colouring it in with a biro? <laughs> <laughs> it's basically like a shiny egg. Yeah. Um, I can relate. The first, um, the first couple of chemo's. I mean, I obviously didn't want them, but <clears throat> at some point in the cycle of it, it, made my skin go really, really glowing. I was like, okay. I never had skin this good. It was wow. really weird. The last four, though, fuck me, I looked ill. Um, but I, yeah, I just remember I was sitting in the car park eating crisps, and suddenly I just remembered randomly. Oh God, I remember I went in there. I walked around there with like no hair yeah I thought, how did i do that that's madness ballsy but, yeah i was like would i do that now no the f- no i fucking wouldn't i'd be like hiding but you can just go about your daily business can't you and then you just drift to a thought and you're like oh yeah that happened yeah but then it didn't like give me any emotion it was just oh yeah i remember that, that. yeah okay some sometimes it emotion can be attached to it but yeah, I think yeah. I have to work quite hard to keep my mindset strong, looking forward, not feeling scared, not feeling anxious. Yeah. Um, and keeping, yeah, keeping like focused forward because otherwise, yeah. yeah, you could. This is that's just, just be crippled by it. Yeah, it's the human brain though. It's like because I mm. I listen to loads of like podcasts and all sorts of stuff now and like like self development stuff. Yeah, mainly girls on wheels, you know. Um, but um, <laughs> like some of the stuff they say about, and it's like like improving your mindset and stuff like that. And like I re- I learned this year that like the, the human brain is 
automatically set to like a negative outcome yeah so obviously you can relate that yeah. to everything of like riding and everything um it's just it's basically just there to keep you alive so it's everything yeah. is negative and it's just to keep you alive so you're like okay that makes sense you know so every thought you have it's just like oh it's my brain telling me the most negative outcome so yeah to just, protect you yeah so if you know that you can be like oh okay I can cope with this then <laughs> yeah yeah and <clears throat> working hard to I think when you get you know diagnosed with the worst thing mm. that everyone's worst nightmare as that yeah. guy told me yeah 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 I'm here. Yeah. Hello, I can hear you. <laughs> twat. Oh, what a twat, Jesus. honestly. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> I, like, I found myself saying to him, oh, so, I mean, it was, I was in my Catch yourself. Office. Actually, no, no, this isn't going to work. Fuck off, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, do you want some comfort from me? Yeah, do like, you want a cuddle? Not yeah. bad. Oh, I'm really <laughs> sorry that I've triggered yeah. the worst nightmare. Oh, you Jesus. dipshit. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what I was saying then. It just made me think of that <clears throat> really annoying person. He wouldn't be listening to this, but if he does, you'll know who he is. If he does, fuck Not you, bad. mate. Um, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. Yeah, I can't remember what I was waffling on about, but he was annoying. Um, Mate, thanks for sharing all that. That's all right. Especially if... I, what I appreciate is you have to go backwards and sometimes when you don't want to because you're on like you're working hard to just keep your life in order mm. is it it takes a commitment and an intention to be like okay I'm going to talk about this and I'm going to open up because it's a big fucking massive thing and although we've sat here and laughed yeah it's not funny it's, <laughs> it's, no it's not funny it was shit yeah, and it, it was, was at the like, period of time in my life as well where it was like I thought I would like, you know, meet someone, settle down, all that sort of stuff. And it just sort of stitched me up a bit. So, Yeah. Well, it's the, the implications reach far, like a lot further than just that yeah. initial treatment stage. Yeah, of course. It, it impacts everything. Um, but yeah, I do. I really, I recognize that it takes a lot to go back to share stuff. And um, mm. so thank you for that. And, I think people listening will be like, oh, my fucking God, I had no idea. And, you know. Yeah. It's awesome. I, yeah, it's what a tree path. Um, right back at you. To finish off. Thanks, mate. <clears throat> You're right, mate. people don't. Mate. Get their little violins out for us. <laughs> yeah. Join the pity party. <laughs> no. People will be like, oh, poor Dan is a I don't want that shit. Everyone was going to die. No, yeah. I don't need pity. Um, but yeah, I hope people don't think, oh Christ, she's always dropping the C bomb in these podcasts. But you can't say you that know, word. That's the, that's the worst swear word. I know. Someone someone <laughs> um what did they say? They they referred to COVID as the big C. Oh my god. And I was like I'm offended. <laughs> I was a little bit, I was like, nah, that ain't, that ain't having that title. Um, okay, just to finish off, I've got some stupid questions. Uh, who is your mountain bike crush? I should have thought about this before I come on, shouldn't I? Don't play it cool. Who is it? I don't know. Let me think. Prob- it can be oh, a guy prob- or a girl. 
I'll I'll go with a girl. Probably Tiny Seagrave, I'll say. She's a popular one for the mountain bike crushes, you know. Mm, I think it's because a lot, a lot of the other females as well, like, they're not as well known. Mm. She's quite a big name. Yeah, she is in the downhill scene, isn't she? She's mm. her and Rachel and again, are the first I'm, ones that I followed. And again, I'm not a massive watcher, so like I sort of passively watch like the downhill when it's on. <laughs> oi, oi. That was a little Deeks one there, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, yes. I'm not a watcher, watch... I'm a doer. Yeah. <laughs> like sporting events, you know what I mean? <laughs> okay. Yeah. You like watching Tarny, then you weirdo. Yeah, their their um their race um team. Do you have you seen their little race team vi- like vid- uh, YouTube videos? Yeah, the SMD things. Yeah. yeah, they're really good. Yeah, but there, there hasn't been any this year, so I don't know what's going on with them. But yeah, they're good. Okay. <clears throat> Where is your favourite place to ride? Morjan in Switzerland, Swiss Alps. So good. So Morjan. Morjan, yeah. I thought you were saying Morzine in like a fancy way then. No. Lady, Lady Bouquet. Bouquet residence. It's bucket love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she lives around the corner from me. Well, not around the corner, but not, not What does she, she call herself? Bucket. Bouquet. <laughs> it's one or the other. She's a bucket, isn't she? Yeah, she's a bucket. Drop it in the bucket, bucket. <laughs> Pardon? <laughs> Drop it in the fuck it bucket. That's a saying. Oh, okay. All more right. learnings. Um, more learnings. Uh, mm. Is there anything that still scares you riding? Yeah, everything. I've got I've got a human brain. Like I only did. What's the biggest thing that scares you? Big jumps, definitely. Big. Mm-hmm. Big jumps. Is that yeah. because of the risk of? It going wrong and injuring yourself is big, or is it, what is it? Yeah, because I've like from that crash at Woburn since that day, I haven't really had the confidence on big jumps. Like I've I've done the, like the big road gap at Ball Track since, but that's a bit like don't know because you are going really fast and it's it's not a very nice landing, but it's like a fairly easy jump. But a lot of the other stuff, like I only just did, there's a line at um, called Mumbles now, and it's got like a shark fin that falls off. But I only did that last weekend for the first time. People are like, oh, yeah, you can do that. I know you can do that. I've seen you do much bigger stuff. I'm like, I know I can do it, but I'm really scared. <laughs> and I did it. And yeah. it's like the same old thing. You do something, you're like, oh, that was really fucking easy. But, you know, it is what yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, fear before. Absolutely. It's good to hear this, though, because I think it's easy to watch you know look at people on instagram or whatever and then be like oh my god they're doing such big stuff no they're one amazing, posts but... the crap stuff on instagram do they no. i try to post like a lot of like the crap side of my life on it but you know I, if there's a, fo- a group of photos i'm not going to post one of me looking like a squid am i <laughs> no you'll be like i'll, I'll use the one that looks yeah a bit of style on it you know so yeah yeah you know yeah, it's easy easy to think that people are just amazing all the time, but I think it's good to hear that people are still scared of stuff. Oh, without sure. a doubt. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
if you could wave a wand and get a skill like there and then mountain biking yeah what would it be yeah cornering cornering 100% because I feel although I'm intimidated by jumps I can do them um cornering is probably the worst part of my game and it's massive if you're good at cornering say like if you could be better at cornering or jumping if you chose cornering you'd be so much faster it's unreal yeah how many corners are there in races loads yeah it's massive it's a you know when i'm on my jump bike and i go around a pump track i can rail a berm i can actually which is where you want to spend a lot of time on pump tracks because that improves all your riding wow Yes, you say this. I, <laughs> I, I, I rail the berm. I'm yeah. nowhere near my brakes. I'm <clears> confident <throat> my bike and the berm will take me. And it is the funnest feeling. Get yeah. on my big bike, get on a trail, get on an equally sized pitched berm or whatever. I can't do it. I, I yeah. cannot do it. And the, the few times I feel like I've thought to myself, I'm on a pump track, I've fallen yeah. off my bike. I reckon, by the sound of it, you've got your weight too far back. Perhaps. Mm. There's definitely something going wrong, but I can do it on my jump bike, on on a tarmac thing, but get me on my big bike, on like a dirt berm, mm-hmm. and I just shit myself. And because I've fallen off a few times when I've tried to let go with the brakes, yeah. I'm now scared of trying to do it it's a constant fear (laughs) it is Mm. but to that i'd I'd say get coaching without doubt yeah just focus on cornering 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 yeah 100 percent. yeah i need to do that um do you do any big rides like pedally rides you don't like pedaling (laughs) i'd kill for an (laughs) e-bike i do well i'm doing um we're doing hard rock this year Maria's doing it, but she's coming on her e-bike. I was like, well. I'm doing it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me, Shawnee, Charlotte <clears throat> are doing it. And, like, yeah, Maria and Sarah Minton. Sarah so you're doing, the same, but yeah. you're doing the same one as Maria then? I'm doing the one on the Sunday, whatever yeah. that is. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it later. It's, it's a good one to okay. do. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll be dying at Ard Rock in whatever month it is. Um, <laughs> booked on no idea when it is <laughs> july is it? i don't want to think about it Mate, i need a nervous poo when i think about it <laughs> that's just my life an <laughs> what nervous poo all the time nervous poos every always <laughs> <laughs> um i know we haven't really spoken much about your perspective of girls in the sport but it's fine we've sort of run out of time but what would be a f- well, like one tip you would give to someone new in the sport oh what were you going to say sorry i just think like the more people and it's not like you, you don't want like the wrong people in the sport but, but obviously you get the wrong people in everything don't you but um the more like diverse a sport is the better it will be 100 percent. and like i go to places like phoenix or twisted oaks and you see loads of females there. Um, and it's great to see, I've got to say. Um, it's good to see. I just love seeing anyone progress. And I'm more than happy to help anyone if someone's struggling with a feature. 
and they want the help, then I'm more than happy to give them advice on how to do it, etc. And I enjoy it and I enjoy seeing them like beat your feature and it just makes it a win-win yeah. in my eyes. And then in regards to racing, I think everyone just needs to, if, if you want to race, like I race and people are like, oh, but you don't really win. And I'm like, well, I don't do it for that. I do it for the atmosphere of the race. I've like, I've been racing Lord knows how many years. I've probably done nearly a hundred races and I've had like three podiums and never come first. Um, I just do it because I enjoy that, that environment. I like the atmosphere. So I think if girls are thinking of racing as well. It's like an accomplishment. Yeah, I just, that's right. Um, No, I just, I enjoy the atmosphere. I'll go there. I don't even rely on people to go to races anymore. I'll just go there on my own and you'll be sitting on the starting line. I generally do more enduro now, even though I hate pedaling. But yeah, you'll just, you'll be in the queue for the stage or whatever and you'll just start chatting to people and then you'll go around with them and the same like guys girls it doesn't matter as long as you because you've got that thing in common you'll just chat to them and then it's fine yeah so you know and then don't worry about if people are catching you up because in my eyes if you're doing like a lower level race like a mates race or whatever if someone catches you up and you're not getting out of the way in time. It's it's tough, really, because it's not that important a race, is it? Yeah. So. Yeah, I think girls in particular are <clears throat> very quick to say, "Oh no, no, no! I'm not good enough to do that. I yeah. don't want to hold people up." All this yeah. sort of imposter syndrome comes out, and yeah, yeah. I guess it's just about having a go. I spoke to another guest about racing on the podcast and she was just saying it's just such a nice way to ride your bikes it's a, an accomplishment she's not doing it to win yeah just achieving like actually getting top to bottom having yeah. a time yeah seeing that she's done it and she's put herself out there is just a great great feeling exactly um, and you might nice. get a really what? cool photo you just do it for the photos don't you everyone said that to me you've got so many photos like because I race, that's the only reason. I know a few no, decent photographers. You hire, you hire personal photographers. <laughs> I wish I did. I wish I had the money <laughs> to do that. <laughs> yeah. You like bribe Maria and say, "Come and take some bangers for me." Oh, mate, that was the worst instance at Twisted what? Oaks. She was like, "Oh, you're going to do that line again?" Then I was like, "Yeah, it's pretty chill. I just spent a grand keeping my bike running in Morzine, brand new mm. rear wheel." just fucked up the line into this double and just destroyed my rear wheel again. I was like, well, that was chilled, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Not bad. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah. Okay. Um, What I wanted to ask you, so if there's, there's bound to be people listening that, like females, that will be thinking, oh my God, when I see a group of lads at a trail centre, wherever, I feel really, really intimidated. Mm -hmm. They're all looking at me they're all thinking that I'm shit la 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 what what would you say to those girls like because you ride with groups of people sometimes don't you yeah yeah like what would what would you say to anybody that has got that fear so you've got to bear in mind everyone that's looking has always been like no one started off being really good they've all been crap at one stage and then they've eventually got better and better and better and it's not even being crap is it it's just being new so everyone has just started at a really low level 
and they've just improved and no one's ever as good as they want to be that is an absolute fact so all they'll be thinking is like oh that's cool and if they don't think the way I think then I'm not friends with them because I think I've got no time for people that like have negative thoughts or like outwardly negative to people um and nine times out of ten they're going to be thinking great another set of new riders they're female that's always a bonus because there's not enough females in the sport and it's good to see them out here so I wouldn't I wouldn't think they're being like looking down on you or something there if they're looking over it's probably because you just don't see it as much as it should happen yeah so it's because I think it's easy, especially when everyone's got their full face helmets on and their yeah. goggles. Oh, they, they look, look like, a, like some sort they look of like fucking, professionals. Yeah. some sort of SAS bloke. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's a there's a gang of men all yeah like, yeah helmeted up and stuff. But yeah, I think it's important to remember there's a there's a human under that, and like you've just absolutely said, yeah. The majority of the time, it's going to be like, oh, wicked. Um, and if, exactly. if say, a girl came up to your group and said, guys, I, I, I'm I, new here, is there an easy line? Yeah. Like, what would your reception be for that? You just tell them the easy line. Say, like, if you had a little bit of advice to give them or whatever. Like, I always say, like, if people are quite new, I'm like, because before you develop a bad habit, which is why I think coaching is really important, because, um, like, me and my friend Nick Foster – we went and got a coaching session at Forrester Ding and he said, like, how long have you been riding? And we were like, oh, like X amount of years. And he was like, because you develop bad habits. So it's good. Like if straight off the bat, you can just not look at your front wheel. Like I'm sure the majority of us do and just look up. (laughs) And then you're like, you do a corner and you're like, oh shit, that's a lot easier than looking at my front wheel, isn't it? Yeah. And like, yeah. And like the body position, just having that like leant forward so you've got weight on your front wheel, stuff like that. Um, so before you develop a bad habit, just little pointers like that, you know. And yeah, yeah just guide them to like the progressive trails, like ones that you can roll everything. And then if they want to start doing tabletops, that sort of stuff, you know. Yeah. So is it fair <coughs> to say that the majority of lads out there riding would, if a, if a girl came up and said, what's what's the best trail for me to start? I'm not confident. Or maybe they're going up saying I've never been here, but actually I'm all right. That they wouldn't be laughed at. They wouldn't be yeah, not made so. to feel stupid. They'd ju- it would just be like, oh yeah, I'll help you because this, this is my low calling. Yeah. Because I, if someone ever comes up to me and says, oh, do you know where this trail is? I get really excited because I'm like, oh, they don't know it. And I'll be like, yeah, yeah it's here. And if you tried that and it's like a, a welcoming thing, it's not a patronizing exactly you know it's it's all good so the majority of groups of people guys girls will actually be welcoming yeah certainly all of my friends without a doubt and like we might even offer be like look if you want to go down we'll go down this easy trail and you can just follow us for the first time and then crack on as you like you know yeah well you've done that for me a few times haven't you where you've at yeah. the sacrifice of well, your you... own ride mm. you've like helped which i think is really good and you know always appreciated because you know we know we all love to ride don't we and sometimes you can think oh no i'm ruining your ride because i'm you know going slow or you're going slow but it's quite nice to help people and share the passion i think isn't it without a yeah. doubt yeah yeah 
I just find it satisfying in myself to see that someone, you know, appreciates me taking my time out. Yeah. So it works both ways, you know? Yeah. Cool. So you, you're normally at Woburn, aren't you? So if any... I have been a lot. I haven't ridden anywhere since Woburn, apart from an hour at um, Phoenix this yeah. year yet. <laughs> so if anyone ever comes across you, you, you ride like a zebra patterned... Isn't it like... Oh, my bike. Yeah, pink yeah. and blue. Pink and blue. It's pink very... and blue, like zebra pattern. Bike. Yeah. What bike is it? Transition Patrol. Okay. So if anyone sees you on that, you've yeah. normally got some pink on, haven't you? <laughs> no, I don't know. I hate pink. pink. <laughs> <laughs> but they could come up to you and you'd be more than willing to be like, hey, this is this is a line you won't die on. Or Yeah. Yeah, or I do, you see me at Hard Rock, possibly Hard Moors again this year, and I do a lot of the Southern Enduros as well, so okay. anything like that. Well, I'm, I'm going to put your link in the show notes to your Instagram, and then, yeah, people can stalk you and get in touch if they want a bit of a, a guide, and you can maybe become some woven guide. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not? Um, yeah, we'll have to ride there soon anyway. Cause... Yeah, absolutely. It's been a while, hasn't it? Without it has. doing that XC loop first. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, last one. If a squid could make a noise, what would it be? <laughs> I was going to try and research this, but I have no idea. So I'm just going to go. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty pretty standard. But I don't know if you've heard any of the other podcasts. They don't actually have acoustic capabilities. They communicate in colour. I would have just went like that then, but it wouldn't make for a good audio, would it? No, but I could have clipped it. But yeah, um, you can just call me a marine biologist because, you know. Because <laughs> you okay. know things and stuff. Because I know things because I'm a marine biologist. <laughs> uh, no, my friend is Charlotte. You've met Charlotte. We were doing that uplift at FOD. What's her surname? Uh, oh, no, it's... you're a bad friend. <laughs> Well, I was just thinking she's Evie Outdoors on Instagram. I was like, her surname's Outdoors. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I know. You know Charlotte. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, okay, mate. Well, thank you again for your time and sharing all that stuff. And No uh, drama? Yeah, I appreciate it. But it's been good, good to chat. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Girls on Wheels. If you enjoyed it, please head over to podchaser.com and leave me a review. And don't forget to tell all your mates. If you've got any comments or want to get in touch, head over to my socials and drop me a message as I love hearing from you guys. I hope that by listening to this today, it's made you want to get out and ride your bike.